Welcome, everybody, on Graduation Sunday. Great to get to sing and pray with you all. Um, I wanted to share briefly before we have our little communal practice together uh, as a church that we've uh, mentioned is happening today. I want to share that I love um, coming-of-age movies. You know, you guys know coming-of-age stories, like, you know, stories of young people entering into adulthood, fits and starts, complicated, it's kind of hard, it's kind of confusing. There's grief usually, but there's also a lot of promise. So um, I'm gonna throw some coming of age uh, movies up here on the screen for us here. Some you know, comedy classics like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Breakfast Club, all the John Hughes movies from the 80s. Uh, there are lots of dramas, so like uh, the 2016 Best Picture uh, at the Oscars was Moonlight is an, uh, a great example of a drama that's a coming of age. Or Little Women, uh, which has been uh, you know, like something reimagined over multiple decades, multiple times. All of these are coming of age movies. One that's really close to my heart is over here in the corner here, Rushmore, uh, which has a young Jason Schwartzman there uh, from 1998. Um, Rushmore is um, one of uh, Wes Anderson's earliest movies. There's a sign for a Wes Anderson movie out in the Davis here as you walked in today. The, his latest movie is coming out. Uh, Rushmore is the movie that relaunched Bill Murray into his like legit uh, actor, le legit dramatic actor phase after Ghostbusters and after Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, the movie is, is, is hilarious, but it's in a very deadpan way, and it centers on this kid, Max, uh, who's from a working-class family, kind of an outsider at his prep school, Rushmore, um, and he's trying to make a name for himself, and you learn that uh, he's, he's coping with grief because he lost his mom young. He's hiding it with all manner of, like, the teenage prove yourself to be an adult already. I'm, I'm the cool teenager, I'm the adult teenager. And he's, he's really like, he's got all of that energy. And so like the opening, um, uh, the montage uh, of, of the movie is like Max's dozens of extracurricular activities, which I have up here. And they get like increasingly ridiculous. It's a very deadpan humor. So it's like, starts with like, oh yeah, he's the part of the debate club. And then it's like calligraphy, uh, calligraphy club president and, you know, captain of the student beekeepers, and he's, he is desperately trying to figure out who he is. That's the story. And that's the heartbeat of coming-of-age stories, desperately trying to figure out who you are. And I love those stories, and I wonder if you have favorite coming-of-age stories that are coming to mind for you. You can, you can uh, I'll throw the, uh, the uh, QR code for our chat up here again. If you, if, if you think of your favorite coming-of-age movies or books or things like that, chances are you maybe read some in high school because it's a good time to read them. I would love to hear what they are for you. The graduation season, like May and June, are as a time for us to think about coming-of-age stories. Uh, and in the spirit of this, we're charting a new tradition in our church today, a communal spiritual practice of annually having a graduation Sunday. So particularly for those, uh, for high school and college graduations, those coming-of-age moments where you're leaving childhood, sort of being ushered into adulthood, we're going to draw special attention to that. But also for all of the graduation graduations and promotions that are beyond just that coming of age moment, like graduations from higher education or that our younger children experience in the church, which all have their own like coming of age, a certain age themes. Uh, and so if we don't yet actually have your name or your child or children's name, uh, you haven't given it to me yet, and they are in like a, a promotion or graduation right now, like they've, the, uh, like higher ed, for example, or if they've just finished kindergarten or just finished 
in fifth grade or just finished eighth grade, we would love to include them in our prayer today. So you can drop their names in the chat. I will make sure that I check before uh, we have our prayer uh, today to make sure that we're including everybody. If you've already given me a name, that's great. We are ready to include their names among our prayer today. We want this to be among the annual rhythms and routines of our church, to, to do ceremony and, and rituals uh, that, that make up the life of our community. Uh, and we often mention how in 21st century America, like in, in our secular life, it doesn't really lend itself to ritual and ceremony. We don't do things like this very often, or if we do, they're kind of like, eh, we, do, we go through the motions. And that's because our culture is secular, this word, which doesn't mean nobody believes in God, and it doesn't believe that there are no rituals or ceremonies at all in our life, but it just means that we don't really default to a very ceremonious view of life. We don't really default to a very enchanted or like, oh, this could, this could, this could be meaningful beyond what's right in front of me. We don't, we don't default to that. We, we default to what we can touch and see and measure and calculate, that's what we default to. And so when we want good weather, we don't make a ceremonial sacrifice to the gods. We look at the weather, right? We just, we just pull out our phones and look at the app. Uh, and, and we don't talk about this judgmentally uh, at, at when we bring this up here at Brownline Church. We're not trying to fight this like it's, oh, we're, we're, we're so secular and we need to be against that because we're a church. No, we're just trying to describe accurately what is life for us. Life is just kind of secular. And so we have to make ritual. We have to make ceremony. We have to remind ourselves why human beings need that because our culture is not going to do it for us. There's, there's huge benefits to what our culture does do for us. We, we celebrate individuality, and that is awesome. Like, we see individuals not just for how they uphold the ceremonies and traditions of their past or of their heritage. We see individuals for their uniqueness. That's so great. We love seeing individuals for their uniqueness. So many justice efforts in the history of the world are because we celebrate individuals. A lot of that can't happen without our story becoming something that really celebrates the individual. But celebration of the individual can morph into a kind of hyper-individualism, that impossible burden that so many people feel to make meaning for yourself. You have to, you have to prove how uniquely singular and special you are, or else you won't be loved, or you won't get paid. And if you don't prove it, you're in trouble, you're behind. And especially for those whose identity are not in the majority. In this way, individualism, is, it's not more just. It actually can be just as cruel as many of the old tribalisms that it's replaced. And so important for our communal practice today, there is a pressure for coming of age. There's a pressure of like, what does it mean for me to become an adult? And I have to figure it out for myself. And that's what we want to relieve as communities. We don't want that pressure to be placed on every young person that is stepping into the next thing. And so we love coming of age stories. We love them, they're brilliant. They tap into the, that part of us that loves to celebrate what makes people individuals. But the challenge of them is that they can kind of like recoil in on themselves and become really hard. Because it's not it's like that, 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 that magic of being somebody unique and being an individual all to myself can also become a burden and a pressure. And that is overwhelming and too much for any of us to carry. It becomes a torment to us. So we want also 
community in addition to individuality. We want traditions, larger stories, higher powers to tie ourselves to so we are not merely individuals. We can be attached to something bigger than me, right? That's, a, that's, that's something that is humbling, it's comforting, it's beautiful, and it also like expands us at the same time because no person is an island as we often sing here on Sundays. So many of the rites of passage that welcome people into adulthood in America, they're just about like, if we just go with what, 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 we're, what, we, what we automatically receive in our culture, it's like, it's economic growth and consumption. It's like, get a cell phone, get a credit card, buy a car, make a career, consume the right stuff or do the right activities to keep up with the Joneses. If you have kids, make sure that they're doing the right stuff and the right activities. Buy a home, get life insurance. Those are the rites of passage of our culture as is. And my wife, Kezi, and I are often like, like, we exited school nearly two decades ago and we still today laugh with friends sometimes about like who is most adult based on which of those financial rites of passages you've gone through. So it's funny, but it's also, I don't know, like it's just too flat. It's too empty a story. If those are the only rites of passage, the only things that welcome us into adulthood, it's kind of soul killing. And it just kind of ramps up that comparison game where you're, we're all secretly doing it, but we're afraid to bring it up. We're straining our friendships, our marriages, our relationships with our kids in this pressure and in this tension. And so what if moments of graduation, of coming of age, of promotion to the next thing, of moving on to the next chapter, what if those could be about so much more? We long to make part of our community here at BLC, and we're still in process of this as a church that's only 10 years in the making. We want to make part of what we do here to be to offer rites of passage that are beyond just that flat, empty story. Movement into the next thing that honors who individuals are, but also include the best parts of like confirmations or bat mitzvahs or becoming an adult, rites of passage from ages past that are, that are meant to tie us to larger stories. And depending on your religious background, you, like those kind of ceremonies might feel to you like going through the motions or you've been around them and they, don't, and they feel hypocritical or something like that. That's fine, we recognize that. We wanna take the best parts of these things. What if we can cast a compelling vision for what it means for young people to become adults? Helps them to feel human. Honestly, these things don't have to be complicated, like uh, ceremonies, rituals, rites of passage. They don't have to be elaborate. They don't even have to be somber. They don't have to be super formal. They can, they can be when that's appropriate. One of the things that we do regularly as a church every fall is have a Remembrance Sunday, and we remember those loved ones that people in our community have lost. And that's a somber affair, so that's appropriate. But ceremony and ritual in our secular lives can be, it could just be raising a glass at a meal, right? Toasting. I was at, I was at, a, I was at a graduation uh, celebration last night, and we raised glass, and we toasted the graduate. That's, that's good. That's good ceremony. We, we don't get enough of that if we just kind of follow the motions of our culture. It can be someone saying a prayer publicly. We engage in ritual and ceremony, like if we're, if we're having a communal meal with a bunch of friends or a bunch of family, and somebody says a prayer, 
when, that, when we can stop and tap into the good parts of that, it doesn't just feel like rote. It doesn't just feel like we're doing it automatically. Wow, that's good for our hearts. It's good for forming who we are. It can be having the kids draw a picture or write a card for someone whose special day it is. It can be going around a table and saying something encouraging about whoever is being celebrated. It is always awkward at first when you do that. You know, you go around the table like, hey, let's everybody say something encouraging about Vince. Okay, go around, everybody. Yep, we'll begin with you, Trey, and then we'll go work our way. No, it's always awkward when you start that. But by the time you get to the last person and everybody shared, it, you're always like, oh, it wasn't so bad. That was great. We're so glad we did that, right? It's, of course, it's, we can handle awkwardness, but that is so good when we, when we ritualize our times together and do things like that. Oh, it's just, it, it, we need that as humans. And if we, if we only are like, oh, it's a little awkward. It's a little, I don't, I don't want to do that. We, we, we lose that chance because we just kind of are not used to ceremony, but we can get used to it. It can be wonderful for us. One of my favorite things to do with my long running men's group I'm a part of is to like stop at momentous moments. Somebody's had a big move or uh, somebody had a baby or it's a birthday and we raise a mug of coffee and we say cheers, you know, to so-and-so and it injects a little ceremony into what otherwise is just, you know, go, go, go. You're moving to the next thing. Better, faster, do it. You know, oh yeah, awesome, great. Let's talk about, it. no, let's stop. And let's raise a mug. Let's raise a glass to this. This is important. So I love doing that. That's, my, that's one of my favorite things to do. You may be doing some of these things already. Awesome. That's great. You have no idea how vital, if those things come naturally to you, you have no idea how vital that is to the survival and the maintenance of a faith community. Pass those things on. Teach those to other people. Do them with other people in your lives so that they continue. Because the, they seem small, but they are vital to how we we, we operate in our, and, and feel like human beings and not just hamsters on a wheel. So those are wonderful. Keep doing them. Or if you hear, heard a new idea here that you like, great. Take it with you and, you know, inject some ceremony, some ritual into your lives. It's important that we do this so that we recognize we are not merely individuals. We are tied to larger things. But not just any larger things, that we are tied to beautiful stories, beautiful, inspiring things that can pull us forward. And so it's not just contribute to capitalism. It's, it's something that, that grabs our hearts. Here's, here's, here's a Christian one that really moves me and what, and what like brings me back to the ceremony of coming and doing a Sunday service every day, every Sunday. You are loved by God and you are made in the image of God. Every one of you is loved by God and made in the image of God. And Jesus is inviting you to extend that spirit of God in you beyond yourself so you can experience joy and connection with others. So you can experience what it is like to feel love for another to the point of choosing self-sacrifice. When you feel that, that, that's an amazing feeling. Jesus is inviting you to contribute to justice and healing in the world instead of blame shifting and passing pain to the next person. Thoughtful response instead of reactivity, like a bunch of just nerve endings. That's what we are invi being invited into. That's a beautiful story to be a part of. If we do not raise a glass from time to time to retell the stories that grab us, we just forget them. So that is the spirit of what we are doing today so that we do not forget. 
All right, I am going to move us to our time of communal prayer on graduation Sunday here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite up uh, uh, the frat family.